Hi, I'm Scott Herbst, owner of Six Flex Training and Consulting, and you are listening to CultureCast. And today we're going to be talking about accountability. The other day I was having a conversation with the VP of HR of a very successful company, and they have a really strong culture. One reason he gave for that is that they're able to balance being kind while maintaining accountability. And this got me thinking, and when I thought about it, I think I see it a little bit different. I think you can be nice while dropping out accountability, but nice as a way of being is mostly about not upsetting people and making sure that they're comfortable. But nice or excuse me, kind is something different entirely. And the only way to be truly kind to someone is to provide something that allows them to grow or expand as a human being. In this uh, talk, I'm going to offer a slightly different take on accountability, talk about how to apply it, and then illustrate for you how it helps people grow. And we're going to get a little philosophical, so let's start with a question. Let me ask you, what's a person? Now, if we took a family feud-style survey of 100 people on the street, we'd probably find that most of us think a person is a collection of traits walking around in a body. At the same time, if a 1,000 years ago you asked the average person what is the world, the survey probably would have said that it's this flat piece of land that sits underneath the heavens. At the time, it was obvious that's what the world was. Why would you question that? However, some people did, and in doing so, they radically transformed the way we view the universe and our place in it. And in doing so, in doing that, things became possible that in this flat piece of land under the heavens view of the world would have never even been imaginable. Things like going to the moon, satellite communications, and space-based telescopes, those things wouldn't, no one could even imagine those, those things, much less do them in that view. So if it's worth rethinking our view of the world, it might be worth rethinking our reflex, person-on-the-street understanding of what it is to be a human being. As opposed to the collection of traits view, human being, as we understand it here, arises in the ability to use language. To illustrate, answer for yourself the question, who am I? What is immediately there for you are lots of words. When I answer the question, I get something like I, which is a word. M. Scott Herbst, more words, who is, and then I fill in uh, whatever, however that sentence ends with more words, like thoughtful, analytic, funny, anxious, etc. And yes, those words do describe general patterns of behavior, but we forget in our day-to-day living as people, we forget that the descriptions of our behavior are not actually behavior. They're general descriptions, and we and the people in our lives forget that and then think that the descriptions are who we are. We forget the descriptions are just a bunch of words that describe things we've done in the past. Well, I say a person is something bigger than a collection of traits walking around in a body. If you take a moment to examine your behavior a little, you'll see it too. Think about it. When you say I, what are you talking about? I is this perspective from which we look, and what makes it I is that it's distinct from all the other perspectives from which all the yous and thems, all the other people are looking. As a perspective, it's unique, but uh, the only reason it exists is by virtue of there being those other you and them perspectives. 
the only reason anyone has for ever saying or thinking the word I is to distinguish it from all the other perspectives one could take. If there were no other perspectives, there'd be no reason to say I. You wouldn't need to say I, and you wouldn't need a name. You wouldn't even have or be able to speak, because language only matters when it's shared between two or more people. Okay? Said briefly, if not simply, the only reason there's an I is because there's a you and them against which I exist. If you think of painting, like an apple might be the subject, but it's against a ground, table, other fruit around it. I, you and them, excuse me, is the ground against which I exist. Your experience of your existence as a collection of traits walking around in a body is only possible because there are other people walking around having that same experience. I know, at a glance, it doesn't seem that way, but at a glance, it doesn't seem like we're on a giant sphere hurtling through space as we orbit a giant ball of burning glass. At first glance, it seems like we're on a fat piece of land under the heavens. The next thing I want you to get is that if we take this view, then you, I, we have to be something more than a collection of traits walking in around in a body. We just have to be. If our very existence depends on other people, they're the ground against which I emerges, then it must go beyond our body and our traits, it being I. I must be bigger than just my body and just my traits. If that's the case, then that I don't just exist in my body, then where do we exist? I say, uh, not as a body, but as, as self-experienced, as a self with an experience, I say we exist in the language we share with others. And in that language we share with others, there are ways to expand our experience of ourselves, and then there's ways that we contract it. One way to expand it is inside accountability. Now, accountability tends to be a loaded word, I think. It often occurs to people as a burden or a chance to get in trouble. Usually, when other people say something like, there's no accountability, they mean something along the lines of, people don't get in trouble when they don't keep their promises. That isn't what accountability means. When one is accountable, it simply means they're responsible and willing to account for their actions. Now, responsible is a loaded word as well. Usually when we say, who's responsible, what we mean is, you know, who do I blame for this mess? But being responsible just means to be the cause of something. That goes for what's working as well as not working. That's why when we say something like a responsible adult, we're talking about someone we can trust to get what's needed done. In a moment, we'll talk about how holding someone to account is actually doing them a kindness. For now, let's look at what it means to hold someone to account, given our adjusted definition of accountability. In accountability, just as accounting for, here's what's entailed in the act of holding someone to account. First, in holding someone to account, acknowledge the promise. What did they say they would get done? What did you expect? By when was it supposed to be done? And in what quality or what quantity? In other words, get clear on what the promise and expectation was. This will be your measuring stick. Second, acknowledge what got done. Was the work complete? Appreciate the complete work. Was it on time? Acknowledge that. Did you get as much as you were expecting and did it meet your standards of acceptability? Yes? Point to it. Be clear on what got accomplished. Third, 
Acknowledge what did not get done. Was anything missing, or was it complete but late? Was it not up to standards? If so, say so. You don't have to be mean or make the person feel bad about it, but similarly, you don't have to feel bad about bringing it up. It might be uncomfortable, and this way of handling things might take some getting used to, but when you start dealing with the facts instead of sugarcoating or avoiding them, your life in the long run will get a lot easier. Fourth, deal with the consequences of what didn't get done. Who will be affected? Have they been told? Have new promises been made? Are there standard disciplinary actions and are you following them? Again, this can be matter of fact. If you cut yourself while slicing vegetables, you don't get weird about putting on a band-aid. You don't need to get weird about dealing with the consequences of a broken promises. Broken promises have consequences. Deal with them. Your life will work better. And fine, the last thing and fifth thing you want to do is, if needed, make new promises. If the old promise was completed, take on what's next. If not, make sure there's a what and a by when regarding completing the incomplete promise. If you take this on as a routine practice, you will be doing people an immense kindness. Why is that? Because if we only exist by virtue of communication with other people, then the quality of our existence is determined by the depth of communication. Our conversations, oh, conversations for accountability have depth. Think about it. Do you know why we hate small talk? No one ever says, oh, I love small talk. I love talking about the weather. I love talking about sports. People hate small talk. Why people think conversations about the weather is trivial? It's not because the weather is trivial. The weather is not trivial. It's one of the most important things we deal with on a day-to-day basis. You can't tell me that's small. But it seems small because as much as it has to do with us and what happens in our lives, we have nothing to do with it. I didn't make today 77 degrees and beautiful, and I didn't make it thunderstorm two days ago, but the weather two days ago and today had a big say about where I decided to have lunch, whether it was inside or outside. We don't want to talk about it, the weather, because it's beyond our control. I'm not accountable for the weather, and it would be silly for me to agree to be so. But when we make a promise to someone and give our word to something, if who we are and our experience of self is constituted in a language, then we're really giving ourselves to something. We put ourselves out beyond a collection of traits and a body to carry them and put them into something bigger than that. We, I, now exist beyond my body and my traits. This is why accountability and the process of taking account for my word is so important. When I keep my word, my sense of self expands. When I break my word, my sense of self is broken. Putting in the above practice around accountability gives me the opportunity to literally write myself, as in true myself up. Now, this may sound conceptual and theoretical to you, like, yeah, this is a good idea, but... Now, whether it sounds that way or not, I invite you to put it to the test and do a little thought experiment. Look at a place where you kept a promise, and it took something to keep the promise, and those around you acknowledged your efforts. Think of what that was like for you. Now, think of a time when you didn't keep a promise, you didn't acknowledge it, and no one called you on it. How was that? I'll bet the experience was night and day.
In the first example, your sense of self expanded. You felt accomplished. You were ready for the next challenge. In the second, you probably had the experience of too much to do and being drained or at least a little overwhelmed or annoyed. There was some kind of edge to the emotionality of it. Now, after a while, you may have gotten used to the feeling and felt that you were over it, but I'll bet if you still haven't dealt with it from our model of uh, accountability, meaning that you acknowledged what didn't get done and made a new promise or said, you know what, I'm not going to do it, I'll bet thinking about it was no fun. Uh, You probably felt some of those same old feelings. Now, if you can remember, think of a time where you let a promise lapse, then called yourself out on it and got into communication and dealt with what there was to deal with in order to make it right. You might not actually be able to do this because a lot of times when that happens, we actually forget about it because it's handled. However, if you can put yourself there experientially, I'll bet the moment that you had a new promise in place, uh, whether you'd followed through yet or not, there was a freedom that wasn't there the moment before. This illustrates why accountability is critical. It isn't simply that it it allows us to produce results, but that it also allows us to experience the aliveness, the fulfillment, and the satisfaction that goes along with them. I'll conclude with a challenge to you. Go make a promise. Put yourself on the hook for something. If you have something outstanding, have it be that. Get in communication with the people who you owe a result to. If your results are handled, take on something new. Who you are and your world, I promise, will get bigger. Now, if you're a manager, look where you haven't been holding people to account and where you've been letting things slide. Consider your willingness to tolerate and step over people's unaccountability is hurting them. Step up, have the difficult conversation, and get a new promise in place. It might be uncomfortable for a moment, but the aliveness that comes with it will make up for it. Thank you for this concludes this episode of CultureCast. Again, I'm Scott Herbst. You can visit us online at www.sixflextraining.com. That's six, S-I-X, like the number, flex as inflexible, training like training.com. See you next time.